Today's daf is daf Tesvav in Meseches Yivomus. So without missing a beat, we keep plugging along. Baruch Hashem. We keep steiging, keep uh, taking in more and more ideas. Okay. So today's daf, throughout the entire, we're going to, throughout the entire daf, is going to focus on what we left off with yesterday. And that is trying to clarify when Beishamai argues on Beishilo. Does that mean that it was more a theological machlekes? Now, theological, I don't, we don't mean to say like, oh, it didn't really matter. But did Beishamai follow really Beishilel in practice, but they just felt the halacha was different? But since the halacha is like Beishilel, they did that too? Or did Beishamai actively practice their own opinion? That was the shaila that we were discussing yesterday. We touched on a number of fascinating topics. And ultimately, we walked away with no particular answer. Okay. So today's daf is going to, we're going to be introduced to a number of uh, further different ideas because we're going to bring up different areas that Beishami and Beishil argue about. We're going to bring, uh, bring down a few stories about members of, Be- of uh, Shammai's yeshiva. And we're going, to, we're going to try to prove from these various stories. Ultimately, keep in mind, the goal of the entire daf today is going to be all in all, did Beishamai ultimately practice like Basilo, or did they practice like themselves? And again, let's remind ourselves, why did we get into this? Because of Losis Kodidu, okay? Because of the, the, um, the Torah says, you're not allowed to have different factions in Klau Yisrael, and we, we clarified that, but that's what led us on to this whole, uh, this whole uh, need for clarification. Ultimately, you know, uh, what did Beishamai do in practice? Okay, so here we go. We're going to review from the bottom of Yud Dalit Amabez, the last piece of Gemara that we started, Toshma, five lines from the bottom of, of uh, the Daf. Toshma, come and listen to the Brisa, bottom of 14b. Diyamar Vechem Benuri, Vechem Benuri says, Heich halacha zura vachas How should we establish the halacha of a Tzoras Erva? Who's a Yavama? The co-wife of an Erva. Who's a Yavama? How do we establish it in Klal Yisrael? That's what Rebbe Benuri wants to say. Now, what's his shaila? Remember, Beishamai said, Tzoras Erva is allowed. They were lenient. Beis Hillel said, it's not allowed. There's huge ramifications. Because if it's... Is, <laughs> the ramifications are, whether or not, you know, according to Beis Hillel, where there's no Yibam or Chalitza, because there's a Kares transgression... So now you're just going to let a woman who, according to Beishamai, really needs Chalitza. And you're still going to consider her a widow. According to Beishamai, she's mom is still connected to the Yavam. We have a big problem. But according to Be- and vice versa as well. According to Beishamai, we mamish have a big, you know, that they're still connected. So we say, oh, so do Chalitza. Well, you may be turning somebody into a Chalitza who doesn't really need to be. Okay? So Rabbi says, we got this huge all-time Achlokas. What do we do? Here's the Shiloh. If we should do like Beishamai and say that the Yavam can either do Yibam or Chalitza on the Tzoras Erva. Well, you can't just say that because then Havlad Mamzer, the Divrei Beishil, the kids that come out of that relationship are going to be a Mamzer. Because according to Beishil, you're not allowed to just do Yibam. There's a Kari's transgression. If the brother would marry his sister-in-law and there's no mitzvah, so it's a Kare's obligation, and you're going to have a bunch of little mamzerim running around. So that's not an option. Should we follow the opinion of 
Beisilol, who says you don't need Yibam or Chalitza, Havlad Pogam, Ludibre Beishamai, you're going to come out with an issue in the lineage of the child according to Beishamai's opinion. Because if they didn't do anything, listen to this, it's interesting. According to Beishamai, that you need Yibam or Chalitza on the Tsaras Erva. If I follow Beisilol and I do nothing, and this co wife, who's now only a widow, were to marry a Kohen, well, guess what? According to Beishamai, they're illegitimate Kohanim. Because really, the Kohen now married a woman who was Zakuk to a Yavama. The Kohen's not allowed to marry a woman who's Zakuk to a Yavama. She doesn't only have the status of a widow, she kind of quasi takes on the status of a divorcee as well. And if you didn't do, you know, if that, and that's if you did Chalitza. If you didn't do Chalitza, then it's even worse. Because she's even still connected to the original guy. Okay, now Havlad, Bo Unasakim, um, uh, so, so what do we do? So says Rabbi Yechem Benuri, Bo Unasakim Lahem Hatzaris. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to establish that when it comes to Tzaris, we now turn to the top of today's daf, that everyone should do Chalitza and not Yibam, thereby will cover all bases. Think about this option. According to Bishamai, do I need to do Chalitza? Yeah, good, so I did Chalitza, he's cool. According to Basil, do I need to do chalitza? No, but I did it anyway. Does it hurt to do chalitza? Doesn't hurt. Okay, so maybe we should just say that. But then, like his you know what happened? This was his idea, but there wasn't enough time. And this is where we left off yesterday to give a psak on the matter until there was no time left. The matter was left unresolved. There was no bottom line psak given, even though Rabbi Yechonah Benuri's um, option was under discussion. Maybe just do takadu chalitza on everybody. Now, it's important to note, just to, uh, you know, just, just to notice, there's a reason why the Gemara didn't just say they didn't come to a conclusion. The Gemara says there wasn't enough time until they could actually give up sak. Why is it important that the Gemara writes it like this? To let us know that there's a rhyme and reason for everything. There wasn't meant to be a psak. He had an idea, but for whatever reason, Hashem didn't want there to be a psak. Might have been a nice idea, but it wasn't in line, the right idea for the right moment, even though it's coming from wonderful people. And I want to share a beautiful thing that's very connected to Daf Yaimi. When the Daf Yaimi started, it was an idea that was broached by Rav Meir Shapiro. He got it from his Rebbe. I believe the Chartka Vareva of, of uh, Daf Yemi. But Ramir Shapiro was one who was spearheading it. I believe at the time he was 38 years old. And a lot of people were against, a lot of Gedolim were against the whole concept of Daf Yomi. They were against the concept. They felt that Gemara should ideally be, always be learned in depth, tackled word for word, line by line, more about the daf than the yomi, more about each and every detail to be learned bi'ion, and they didn't feel that it was a, it was a great idea. So Meir Shapiro went to the Chafetz Chaim, and the Chafetz Chaim told the Meir Shapiro, he says, I love the idea. He said, I'll tell you what, at the next Knesiyagdola, at the next convention of all the Rabbanim in Europe, um, I, I want you to share, I want you to share the idea but I also want you to come an hour late. 
Okay. He says, why? He says, just listen to me. I want you to share your idea. I want, it, I want you to come an hour late to the convention, to the meeting. Okay. The Chavetz Chaim says, that's what you do. My show you, this is what happened. This is how Dafyami started. It comes time for the Knesset Agadola. They have the gather. The whole meeting starts. There's hundreds of Rabbanim in the auditorium. And about an hour later, Mayor Shapiro, the young rabbi, 38 years old, he comes in from the back. The Chafetz Chaim notices him. He's sitting up on the dais. He was the Zakin Adar, the elder of the generation. And he, the Chafetz Chaim sees him. He stands up. And he announces to everybody, the Lubliner Rav is here. The Rav from Lublin is here. And he has an idea that I back 100% that needs to be implemented in Klal Yisrael. And everybody turns around and stares at Rav Meir Shapiro, who is absolutely mortified. He's like, what just happened? But this was the Chavaz Chaim's plan. And Rav Meir Shapiro went up there and like everybody's watching him, you know, and he says, here's my idea, whatever. And... Ultimately, it was because of the backing of the Chavetz Chaim, it was accepted. What's the what's the connection to Targumara? You see from here, the greatest ideas from wonderful people can only be implemented if it has the elders of the generation, the great Chachamim's approval. As great of idea that Amir Shapiro had, it needed the Chavetz Chaim, being the elder of the generation. To stand up and say, guys, Chevra, everybody, fellow Rabbanim, this is what needs to be done. And if the Chavaz Chaim would not have done that, it could have been the best idea. It would not have been implemented. It's a very powerful message, very powerful idea in, in how we know if we're doing. Rabbi Yechamanuri had a powerful idea. He was going to establish something in Klal Yisrael. But HaKadosh Baruch who made it, it's not happening right now. It's not happening right now. Okay, so let's keep reading. Ultimately, we're not going to pass him to do that because what's going to happen with the Tzorei Sarishon? If you ever had a Tzoras Erva that had already been taken in Yibum, so now everybody's going to be saying, oh, their kids are Mamzerim because everybody else is a, is a Chalutza. Now, one second, one second, one second, pause. Why was this not a good idea according to Rav Shemingham Why was the Bilchim idea of doing Chalitza on everybody not a good idea? Because... What happened if you had a couple ladies who were Tsaras Ervas and they did Yibum? Everybody's going to consider those kids to be Mamzerim. Pause. Think about this last sentence we just said. What about a couple of Tsaras Ervas who did Yibum was done to them? We're going to consider them Mamzerim. If we always paskin like Basilo, nobody would have ever done it. You're not going to have a few Tsaras Ervas. With Mamzerim. Because Beis Hillel said, there, you, you can't be Miyavim. But we're, but we're concerned about that. Well, here's going to be the proof. You ready? Unbelievable. From the fact that people did do it, it must be that it, they, are, they are members of Beishamai. And we have a proof from here that Beishamai not only paskined against Beis Hillel, but acted against Beis Hillel as well. That's the proof. Let's catch this again. From the fact that we're concerned that there actually were women who were Tsaras Ervas and Yibum was done, that's Beishamai's opinion. Well, you have a clear proof from here, the Gemara is about to tell us, that the members of Beishamai's household followed through on their opinion in action, not only in 
Not only in Psaq Halachas. Let's see this inside. Let's read the, the, the proof inside. also. It makes sense if you say Beishamai followed and acted on their own opinion. That's why we said it. What are you going to do with the earlier uh, Yavamas? But if you're going to tell me that Beishamai didn't act on, according to themselves anyway, they always followed Beishilel. My manasa, why is Rashimik Abliel concerned about what are you going to do with the other women who already had Yibum? Nobody ever would have done Yibum because we're always following the opinion of Basilo. You get it? Yeah. Clara, any questions on this? Beautiful. Again, the whole goal was to see whether Beishamai followed their own opinion or not. Gishmak. Says the Gemara to respond. No proof. Maybe Rav Shimming Amliel, who said we're concerned about the Mamzerim, was talking about the Tsara herself. In other words, maybe Beishamai did ultimately act with Beishilo by a Tsaras Erva. But he was concerned about a regular Tsara who her co wife, the original wife, right, her, her Tsara, uh, had Yibum done and she went out without Chalitza. Okay? So. Um, we want to make sure that her children aren't considered mamzerim. Now, why would they be considered mamzerim? She doesn't need chalitza. Her co-wife had yibum done. So what, what's the problem? See, here we go. This is what Rashi meant when he said, Manasa, what are you going to do with them? Hanach tzoreis de Beishilo. These tzoreis of Beishilo's opinion that they were able to remarry Stam, because not, according to Beishilo, there was no yibum. So you just go out and remarry According to Beishamai, who says that you needed Yibam or Chalitza, what are we going to do with them? Are we going to tell them to do Chalitza? You can't. You know why? Fascinating, fascinating. Such a beautiful idea. You know what's going to happen if you do Chalitza according to Rabbi Yechina Benuri's idea? Let's say you do Chalitza on a woman who doesn't need it. And then I read you a Shidduch to marry her. You know what's coming? Think about it. You want to marry a wife, you want to marry another wife, your first wife, whatever. You know that Chalitza was done to this lady. Huh? It's now going to be part of her story on her Shidduch resume. Okay? Now, for many people, okay, I have a woman who Chalitza was done to, a woman who Chalitza wasn't done to, they both live the same distance, so I'll meet the one without Chalitza first, maybe. Right? It's just, a, it's, it's just again, like a menschlich thing. So therefore, we don't ever want to do chalitza on a woman if she didn't fully need it. It's not nice to her to add that to her resume. That chalitza was done even the chumrah. They might become more, a little more disgusted to any, uh, to any husbands. They're going to tell me, new so what? Halacha is halacha. Says the Gemara, this is a chumrah, it's not halacha. And when it comes to a chumrah, such a beautiful, beautiful pasuk. Never forget this pasuk. When you follow a life of Torah, your life becomes more pleasant. That's a fact. And anybody whose lives are not becoming more pleasant by following in the ways of the Rebbein means we're doing something wrong. It's not the Torah's fault. It's our fault. Because the Torah, by definition, is gives us ways of pleasantness. And if there's any place outside of halacha, just the chumrah, to make somebody's life difficult, we don't do such a thing. It's not a Yiddish way. It's not, it's not what we do. Okay. Bottom line. Well, you know what we're walking away with? We don't know still whether Beishamai followed Beishilal in action 
or if they did it on their own. So here we go. Let's keep trying to prove this. We're gonna, this is going to be the whole daf. We're going to keep trying to prove this. Toshma. Come and listen to the following price. Dom Reb Tarfin. Reb Tarfin says, Tiviyeni Mosai Tzoros Abbas Yodi Vesena. What this literally means is, Reb Tarfin says, Ooh, I can't wait till my daughter and her co-wife fall to me in Yibam. you imagine? I can't wait for my paternal brother to die who married my daughter and the co-wife so that I could do Yibam on the co-wife. Now, why would he say this? So this is Gishmak. Ready? We just need some background info. Reb Tarfan was a student of Beishamai. He was from Beishamai's yeshiva. So what we're assuming, literally what these words seem to imply is that Reb Tarfan saying actively, I plan on marrying Tsaras Erva. So the Gemara is going to try to prove from this statement that Beishamai acted against Basilo. They actually married, they did Yibum on Atzervas Erva. Except, what should be bothering us? Rav Tarfan wants his brother to die childless so that he could prove that his Rebbe's Psak Halacha is right. Right? So the Gemara is going to ask this. The Gemara is going to say, come on, you can't take this at face value. Right? So, says the Gemara, Ema Ba'asiyem. Yeah? Rather, what Rav Tarfan meant is, not that I'm going to marry the, you know, not that I'm going to marry the Tzara, but rather it means I'll marry her off to somebody else. Says the Gemara, no. If you look at Reb Tarfan's words, he seemed to have, he said, I have a taiva, like I have a real desire to marry my wife's, uh, uh, my daughter's Tzara. I have a big taiva to do that, which seems he intended to, uh, he intended to marry her. Okay. Kumara says, no, that, it, it doesn't really mean that. He's not, in, he doesn't want anybody to die. He's not intending this. Rather, it's coming to exclude the opinion of Rabbi Echidon Benuri's idea. What was Rabbi Echidon Benuri's idea? That you should always do chalitza to somebody else. And therefore, Tarfa was saying, you know what he was saying, bottom line? I have a desire to see the day when Beishamai's opinion is going to be accepted in Klal Yisrael. I don't want any of Rabbi Yechina Benuri's ideas of, oh, let's do something that follows everybody's opinion. I have a desire to see the day, not to literally marry his daughter's tzara, chas I have a desire to see the day when Beishamai's psak will, you know, will uh, be accepted. Okay, fine. That makes a lot more sense. Toshma, come and listen. We're going to try to keep proving this. Again, we have no right what they, what they do. There's a story with Rebbe Gamliel's daughter. The daughter of Rebbe Gamliel was married to her uncle. So far, so good, right? She was married to Rebbe Gamliel's brother. His brother's name was Abba. So Rebbe Gamliel's daughter married Uncle Abba. And Uncle Abba passed away without any children. Rabbi Gamliel did Yibam on her co-wife. Now Rabbi Gamliel has to be following either Beishama or Beishelel. Could this be he's following Beishelel? No, because he did Yibam on the Tzaras Erva. It must be he's following the opinion of Beishama. He says the Gemara, so we should, the Gemara is, without saying this straight out, what the Gemara is letting us know is, obviously, if Rabbi Gamliel did this, People followed Beishamai in practice. 
not only in how they understood the sugya. Says the Gemara, no. The Tisberg Yeah, let me tell you something. First of all, Rabbi Gamliel did not learn in Beishamah's yeshiva. He wasn't. Not only that, Rabbi Gamliel was a grandson of Hill. I don't know if he learned in Hill's yeshiva, but he was a he was a grandson of Hill. So says the Gemara. One second. It can't be that Gamliel's doing something against his grandfather's psak. Ella shiny bita is Rabbi Gamliel the island is habe. Fascinating. It's beauty. Rabbi Gamliel's daughter was an islandess. Remember, what happens if a girl's found to be an islandess? Her whole marriage never happened. It's Iker Meikara. So again, Rabbi Gamliel's brother died. He left behind an islandess and the tsara. Only the tsara is the Yavam, because the islandess was never married to the brother. That's why Rabbi Gamliel was obligated, because she's not a tsara serva. She's just a Yavab. Says Gemara, what do you mean? Uh, says the Gemara, one second. Not everybody agrees that Ramil's daughter was an islandess. Hobmig Tani Seifa, the end of the Brisa says, Achirim Aimrim. Some people say, or Achirim, other, yeah, others say, Pitish Ramil Islandess, Haisa, Ramil's daughter was an islandess. Mechlal, you could assume from that expression, the Tanakamasovar, the original opinion, opinion of the Tan of the Brisa is, Lav Islandess, Haisa, Ramil's daughter was not an islandess. And if she wasn't an islandess, we're back to our question. Why did Rebbe Gamliel, who's a grandson of Hillel, marry the Tsaras Erva of his daughter? He's not following his own ancestor's psak. Says the Gemara, It's fascinating. Says the Gemara, that the Machlaikas is when, it depends when the husband who died childless knew that she was an islandess. Meaning, let's say at the time that the husband dies, he still thought that she was not an islandess, so then her tzara could be called the tzara's bitay. Because there was no mekach in his lifetime. However, if during his lifetime he found out that she's an islandess, so that's when the marriage is completely uprooted. So that's one possible answer. Or, you could talk about a case where what happens where Rabbi Gamil's brother married the other wife first and then he, uh, he divorced the daughter, even if she's not an islandess, right? So how, how would this pan out? Let's explain the case. Rabbi Gamliel had a brother. The brother was married to Rabbi Gamliel's daughter, who's not an islandess, and another woman. And then his brother divorced Rabbi Gamliel's daughter. And then he dies. You followed? You, you hear what just happened? Mm-hmm. Rabbi Gamil's brother married Rabbi Gamil's daughter. He divorced the daughter. He had another wife. And then he dies. So who's falling to Rabbi Gamil and Yibam? Only the other wife. Because his daughter was already divorced. That's why Rabbi Gamil did Yibam. We're calling her Tsaras Erva just because at some point they were co-wives. Oh, but the Misa, at the time that Rabbi Gamliel's daughter, uh, brother died, there was one wife who's not an Arias to him, and that's why he did even. Or you could say, Okay? Maybe you could say, you know, there's a whole conversation about um, if, uh, if they make a condition 
before a marriage that we're only married we're only married on specific conditions. So there's a you know there's a conversation as to whether you could still claim a mekach tois. So what we're trying to say over here is again that maybe Rabbi Gamliel's daughter, um, even if she wasn't an islandess, had some sort of conditional marriage with her uncle. That if she didn't fulfill a certain condition, the whole marriage is going to be null and void. And that's what happened. It turns out she was never really married to her uncle. And then her uncle died childless. And that's why Rabbi Gamliel did it. Just another way to get, her, to get around the issue and say that the co-wife is not really a co-wife. She's the only wife. Okay. On the second answer, isn't there an issue with the, according to, doesn't everyone, isn't it still a riot or is the divorce? Yeah, well, yes, what are you asking? That, that even uh, according to the first Ve'ibayis Ema, that the brother who died um, divorced the erva. Okay? Yeah. So at the time that the brother dies, was the erva capable of marrying Rabbi Gamliel? No. No. So that means that who's the only person who, who's falling in Yibam? The Tzara. And that's why Rabbi Gamliel was allowed to do Yibam on her. Overlap doesn't matter here. Exactly. Beautiful. Accor- beautiful. According to this opinion, the time that matters is the time of death. Not that at some point they were co-wives. Since at the time of death, there was only one wife, and that wife was not an erva to Rabbi Gamliel. That's why he did Yibam on her. Either way, no matter which answer you use, we have three possible options. Each option is heading in the same direction. Basically just telling us the reason why Rabbi Gamliel married the co-wife of his daughter is because really his daughter wasn't married to his brother at the time that his brother died. All right, whether she's an islandess, whether there was some sort of condition made, whether she was divorced. You didn't have two women falling, and that's why she's not a tsar Okay. Givaldik. Here we go. Says the Gemara. The Gemara is now going to question our whole question. Ah, got to love it. Right? Again, what was the whole question of today? And we're going to keep at this, the whole daf. We're going to tomorrow's daf as well. What's the question? When Beishamai argued on Beishelel, did they act on it? Or... Did they just paskin differently? Most of Rabbi Shashi, Rabbi Shashi has a challenging question on our question. He picked an Esra on, on the first day of Shvat. Oh. Now, the first day of Shvat is when, it's, is when uh, according to some opinions, is the new year for trees. I mean, the first of Shvat, two Bishvat. Okay? Now, what does the new year mean? You have a different category of Miser. Any fruits picked in one particular year of growth for fruit trees, you're going to have to miser that. That all gets misered together. If it's the next year, the next year produce could be misered together. So for example, if you pick a fruit the day before Shabbat, let's say Shabbat is the cutoff, Rosh Chodesh Shabbat. If I pick a fruit the day before, the fruit picked the day before is going to be miser given with the previous years. If it's picked on the very next day, then you're going to have to miser it with fruit that is picked the year after. Okay. So Rabbi Akiva picked an ice on the first day of Shvat, Venog by Shnei Isurim. And he gave Meiser Shani, um, he gave two, two Meisers. 
One meiser according to Beis and one like Beis Now let's explain what this means. It's very interesting. Um, there's a mach- the machlekas between when the new year starts about whether it's the first day of Shvat or two Shvat is between Beis and Beis Okay, Beis says the new year is Rosh Chodesh Shvat. Beis said it is two Shvat. So let me ask you a question: When you pick a new fruit on the first day of Shvat, how should you tithe it? If you're following Beis you're going to tithe it with the new year. If your opinion of Beishamai that the new year only starts 15 days later, then it gets tithed with the previous year. So Rabbi Akiva was machmir to do both. He double tithed. He joined, a, he, he considered it to be part of the previous year and the next year. He kind of, uh, okay. Now, not only did he double tithe, we know in certain years you take Meiser Ani and in certain years you take Meiser Shani. Okay? So he would give it in, in those types of years, he would give both types of Meiser. Okay. Says the Gemara, bottom line is, you have a good proof. You see from this, Osu, that Beishamai did their own thing. Otherwise, why is Rabbi Akiva being concerned about Beishamai's opinion? If Beishamai themselves didn't follow their own opinion, why is Rabbi Akiva following their opinion? It must be, Esther of Mesharshia, your whole question is not a question. Of course we know that everybody, uh, that Beishamai followed their own opinion and action. Says the Gemara, no. Rabbi Akiva, Gemara is topically, Rabbi Akiva was not sure how he learned the halacha quoted. Beautiful. It's the bottom line. We said that Beishamai holds the new year is Rosh Shvat. Beishol holds Tu B'Shvat. Rabbi Akiva wasn't sure who held the first and who held the 15th. He was just being machmir in case Beishilol was either one. In case Beishol holds Becha B'Shvat, I'm going to tie it with the next year. In case he holds it Tu B'Shvat, I'm going to tie it with the previous year. But it's not that he's following the bin of Beishamai. He's unsure how he heard the opinion of Basilo quoted. Beautiful. Okay. Master Marzuch, Marzuch had a challenging question. story. The daughter in law of Shammai Hazakein had a child. Upiches es Hamaziva. And you know what they did? She didn't want to move. She just had a baby. And guess what was coming? Sukkis. Many of you may uh, be, remember the story from Masecha Sukkah. Discussing whether a minor is obligated in the mitzvah of sukkah. Because what happened? Rabbi Shammai's daughter-in-law was stuck in the house. So you know what they did for her? She had a baby boy. She was stuck in the house. You know what they did for her? They took off the roof over her head. And they put down kosher so that her one-day-old baby, a baby boy, will have a sukkah. Ah, mamish, the newest chumra in town. Okay? Now, this was the opinion of Beishamai. Beishamai said that there's a mitzvah of chinuch on a child, even a boy, uh, on any boy, even from the youngest stage. So you see from here, Beishamai did their own thing. <laughs> they, they put a sukkah over the baby's head. Says, that Beishamai only did it because people aren't going to say otherwise that, oh, we don't paskin like Beishilo. No, over there, they, they were willing to be machmir, because people are going to say, oh, you know why they, they took the roof off and they put up schach? Uh, they, they didn't have air conditioning. The young mother was getting a little hot, you know, starting to schwitz. So her father-in-law is taking good care of her. So he took the roof off, made a little air conditioning system, let it in. It didn't look like he's following his own opinion. So again, what we're saying is that Peshamai, we don't necessarily see that Peshamai in actuality, you know, always followed his own opinion. Maybe depended on what it looked like. Okay. It 
there's a, a story. And with the shuk of Yehu. Okay. That Bishaik uh, Asyehu, Shaykh Bishlaim. There was a Shaykh of Yehu which was in Yerushalayim. Now, Rashi tells us over here that Shaykhas is a ev, um, this is about uh, seven lines before it gets wide towards the bottom of Rashi. Shaykhas is a Evan Chalula. It's a hollow stone. There was a, there was, it was kind of like a irrigation type of stone. It was like an irrigation stone. And it was called Shaykas Yayu. It was called Shaykas Yayu. And it would allow water to transfer through to, um, from the proper streams. Good evening, Rabbi Chesko. And they connected this water, this kind of, remember we learned about, you can make a kosher mikvah through neshika, through having the waters kiss. So this allowed a puzzle mikvah to connect the kosher uh, waters. And anything that was tar was put, uh, you know, they would rely on, on uh, this hallowed out stone to be a kosher mikvah. But Beishamai sent and they made it wider. Why? So we'll remember this. The only time you have uh, one of these um, hollow stones, Kasher, is when you have a hole that's big enough to cover right, a very large area. You need most of the wall that's gone. Kishtei etzbo utnan, and we learned in a mikvah, eruv mikvahis. When you want to be ma'arev mikvah waters, you want to join together mikvah waters. Kishvei feres hanoid ba'oviyah v'chalal. Remember, we said if you want to do neshika, you want to kiss two waters to make a mikvah water kosher. How big do you need? Like the head of the opening of a leather canteen, which which is kishtei etzboyis. It's the size of two fingers. Chayzroislam kaimam that can easily be moved around. Now, you see that Beishamai sent to make a bigger hole in the water so that the connection should be larger because they, obviously they didn't want to rely on Beishillel. So you have a proof from here. What are we trying to do this whole block? We have a proof from here. Beishamai followed their own opinion. Says the Gemara, no. Just because they tried making the hole bigger is not a proof. Hasim over there, we turn to the top of the base. The only reason why Beishamai did is because eh, make it easier, more water will flow in. But not because it looks like we need to pass like Beishel. Meaning, what the Gemara is saying with this is that even if Beishamai felt something, we're still saying maybe they would try to do it their way. Okay? Try to do it their way means as long as it didn't step on the toes of Halacha. As long as they didn't look to people like they were passing like themselves and they were actually following Basilo, so you make a little bit of a bigger opening in it. No, no, p- people aren't going to view it like they're following their own sock. You take the roof off, you put schach down. No, it's the newest air conditioning system. It's an HVAC. You know that? So then Beishamai would be like, why not? Let's just follow our opinion too. But something that's noticeable, perhaps they wouldn't follow their own opinion. So let's keep trying to prove. <coughs> Tashma, come and listen. Damar Abbas, Bersadik, Bersadik, Bersadik says, Kisha Yisi, Lami, Tara, Eitz, Rabbi Echanan, Echarani, when I would learn Tara, Rabbi Echanan, Hachurani, Risi, Shoya, Echel, Pas, Chareva. I saw that they were, that he was eating, Choraf, he was eating very dry bread, Bemelach, with salt, Bishnei, Bersadik, during a, a, during a famine, there was a drought, and I saw he didn't have much food. So, Bersadik, Vedat, Yasaba. So says, Rabbi Lazar, Bar, Tzadik, I told my father, Tzadik. Omar Lee, 
So he said to me, bring tzadik some olives. I brought him olives. He saw that the olives were wet. Now remember, we learned, whenever you have fruit that's wet, it's capable of becoming tummy. So, so um, Rabbi Yechanan saw that it was wet. Omar, he said, beautiful, beautiful, limud message in life. Omar, he said to me, now, he was concerned it became impure, right? That's really why he didn't want to eat it. But instead of saying, you know, I don't want to eat it, he said, thank you so much. I, I, I happen to, I'm allergic to olives. I don't eat olives, but I really appreciate the thought. Okay, he was, the element to me, this, I made up the allergic part. He said, I don't eat olives, but I, you know. So, Bossi Vati Asaba, I came back and I told my father, he said, I know exactly why he doesn't want to eat it. It's because he's concerned it became impure. Let him know that the wetness that was on it came from its own sediment. Okay? And um, it's, it's not capable of becoming tummy. The only wetness that makes a fruit capable of becoming tummy is when the owner purposefully made it wet from, with one of the seven liquids. But when it's wet from its own uh, perspiration, we'll call it. Yeah, so that's, it's still not capable of becoming tummy, and therefore, go tell Rabbi Yechen on that, and he'll end up eating it. Utunan, and we learned in a Mishnah, if you have a jug of uh, olives rolling around, you don't need to make a hole to allow the, the, the juice to drop out. You have to make a hole so that it doesn't get wet with its own stuff. Everybody agrees if you made a hole in it because you want it to drip out, and end up getting plugged up, that it's still tar. Why? Because the owner obviously doesn't want it to be wet. And fruits are only capable of being wet if it becomes wet with the, owner ha- with the owner's happiness. If the owner put it in a perforated uh, barrel, obviously shows that he didn't want it to become wet. Okay, now, says the Gemara, back to our story. Even though we're dealing with Talmidim of Beishamai, call myself like the Rebisil. All of the, uh, all of Tzadik, who was sending the olives, all of his actions followed the opinion of Beisel. Now, if you tell me Beishamai would follow their own opinion, Hainu Rebuse. So it's Taka Chiddush. Rav who's from Beishamai, is following the opinion of Beisel. Oh, that's a story. I know why you're telling me a story. Eliyam, Rav Tzadai, who's from Beishamai, never did anything different anyway. My Rebuse, why are you telling me a story about Rav Tzadai sending it to Rav Yechina? Like, well, it must be there's a Chiddush here, and the Chiddush here is that Beishamai would follow their own opinion. Okay, so Itaka have a valid proof that Beishamai not only ruled against Beis Hillel, but they also follow their own opinion. Toshma, come and listen. We'll try to prove out, uh, also, we'll try to prove again. What's the of a Tzara Sabas? Tzara Erva, right? The co-wife of one's daughter. Who do we pass? him like, Omar Lehem says, Rabbi Yeshua, beautiful. He says, listen, why do you want to drag me into a machlaikas? You want me to take sides? I don't take sides. I'm afraid that my head's going to get crushed. In other words, he says, don't, uh, I'm not, don't, who do I paskin like? Who am I to pass like anybody? But he keeps going. Listen to this. He says, I'm not taking sides, but I'll tell you a story. Like a good old man. Yeah? I'm not taking that. I'll tell you a good story. Avalani I could I could witness testify to you. There were two Chashva families in Yerushalayim. from from Two very Chashva families. Shehem 
Beautiful. They married into families of Kohanim and still the children became Kohanim Gedalim. So you see from here that Beishamai, um, uh, you see from here that Beishamai allowed the tzara of a, of a Yavam and it was accepted in Klal Yisrael. Now, if you say Bishami acted according to their own opinion, that's what Yeshua said, listen, I'm afraid to get involved. If he says they didn't do their own thing, why does he say I'm afraid to tell you the story? They didn't do their own thing anyway. Says the Gemara, by the way, I don't understand something. You know, even if you're going to say that we understand why he said I'm afraid, Rabbi Shua himself happens to be of the opinion that you can only be a mamzer from Chaybe Mises Bezin. So according to Rabbi Shua, even if you were, even if Beishamai did act on their own accord and allow a tsaras erva, anyway, nothing's changing because is the child becoming a mamzer according to Rabbi Shua? No. Even if a person were to marry a tsaras erva, you need Mises Bezin to be a mamzer. So the Gemara says, Nehi granted, Nami de Mamzalei granted, according to Yeshua, the kid wouldn't be a Mamzer, Pogamia Havei. There would still be something wrong in his lineage, in his Yichus. Uh, and we wouldn't allow him to be a Kohen Gadol. Mikavachemer me Almana, be a Kavachemer from an Almana, Ma Almana, just like if a Kohen Gadol marries a widow, Sheini Surah Naig Bakal, a widow can marry anybody else in the world, just not a Kohen Gadol. Bina Pogum, still we say that the, the son of the Kohen Gadol is Pogum, Zushi Surah Shavabakal. Uh, so this woman who's Isser, Shavabakol, the Chulu, how much more so should we say that there's a problem with the Yichus? Okay, says the Gemara, one second. Kavu, we'll, just, we'll, we'll wrap this up and we'll hold it here. We'll just do one more minute as people come a time to Mincha. Kavu minei tzaris. They asked Rabbi Yeshua, what's the halacha about a tzaras erva? And Rabbi Yeshua responded, oh, let me tell you a story about the children of a tzaras erva. What about the tzaras erva herself? Says the Gemara, Really, they asked him two questions. First of all, Tzara Smai, what's Allah of the Tzara herself? Should Yibum be done? And if you're going to tell me that you should not do Yibum, what happens if you do? How would Basil consider the children that come out of that marriage? Would they consider it an issue in the lineage? Or would they say, you know what, Beishamai is lenient, we'll be, you know, we could let it go? The Mainaf Kamino, who cares? It's needed to teach us what would Beis Hillel hold. You know, the mind of Hillel means who cares about Beis Shammah? We don't pass them anyway. So no, it makes a difference. Because we need, to, um, we need to find out how would Beis Hillel view um, the children of a Machsir Grushosai. If somebody were to take back a Machsir Grushosai and they have a children, would those children be able to marry a Kayin? Or not? Me Amrina and Kavachimer, do we say a Kavachimer that Maamar the Kain Gadol, just like a widow's forbidden to Kain Gadol, Shaini Surah Shavabakol, it's not a strong tr- prohibition. It's only forbidden to Kain Gadol, still been a Pagum. Her child is a Pagum and, and um, is, um, loses out on being a proper Kayan. Zushi Surah Shavakol, so a woman who's, a, who's divorced and, and he remarries her, she marries somebody else. Machzir Grushosai, that applies to everybody, every yid. How much more so if you take her back? Is there going to be an issue with the child? Maybe you could, you could refute the Kavachai man and say, Well, maybe a widow is we're more strict with the children because a widow herself becomes not capable of ever marrying a Kohen. As opposed to Machzir Grushosai, she doesn't become. Uh, uh, she doesn't become her status itself doesn't change for a different man granted she has to leave her husband 
but for a different man she has to stay. So that's what they were asking. To, uh, so it was like a double-sided question that they were asking to Rabbi Yehoshua. To which Rabbi Shua responds, and we'll hold it here, Vamar lohu, yani. As far as the tzareis, I'm not getting a vowel, that's a big machlaikas. Top of tezayin, b'nei tzareis, ami made lechem. But I can tell you what happens to the family, because there were families that did follow Beishamai, and we still permit the children to be uh, to to be kahanim gedolim. It must be that it does not mess up the yichus. Beisila will hold it's okay. We'll hold it here for today. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody. Bezrem will pick up same time tomorrow.